0: Welcome to Into Theology. I'm joined by Ian Clary, and we are looking at uh, Book Two of Saint Augustine's Confessions. Not
1: Saint Augustine.
0: Well, I'm just whatever. I'm. I go back and forth. We should just know. refer
1: to him in the Latin, Augustinus, and then we're Augustinus. Good. There you go. Although then some like some like
0: Latin scholar will come and see where are yeah, mispronouncing yeah. it. Totally, it'd be like my friend Megan Devore or my buddy Caleb CoHo or somebody. <laughs> exactly, someone like that. So. um and this book i mean the, the beginning portion of, of the confessions kind of works through his life almost chronologically although there are key ideas being talked about and so this is adolescence it's kind of yeah yeah and he i think he he's does,
1: 16 right he, he'll he doesn't always follow a strict chronology because mm. i think his dad gets baptized near the end here but his dad actually got baptized a little earlier and things but okay yeah
0: so he's, he's probably a teenager at this point um talks he's about an adolescent year you know what's,
1: it's interesting is that uh <laughs> And this gets into some of the awkward uh, language that he gets using here about his sexual lusts and stuff, because apparently I was reading uh, James O'Donnell's commentary on this, and he was saying that um, that Augustine, the, the ordering of his life part of confessions, actually this, the stages of like infancy, adolescence, you know, whatever, actually correspond to the six days of creation. Mm. And so where he is at now, he's actually in the third day of creation which is which is water and so that's why you get all this like eruption language you know? oh <laughs> it's like gross stuff
0: which is because... fascinating
1: because it's in this chapter
0: too where, he, where his dad recognizes that he's virile
1: yes. and yes. his
0: dad's like super excited so he gets drunk and it's like i'm having grandkids yeah yeah
1: it's like kind of funny
0: and in the baths too right he's in the ba- roman baths there in uh, tagast um when, I mean, just for context, you're not wearing clothes
1: in the Roman baths. Right. And it's all men and whatever. Yeah. And, and the weird, the funny thing is, is that that wasn't weird for his dad to do that. Like that was the type of culture where it was like, oh, you could see your son is, well, look at that. And uh, like, that was actually pretty common. <laughs> so he was just a typical Roman at that point. But, but so yeah. even when we think about the bigger structure of the book, like why does Augustine go into all this like creation discussion in Genesis one at the end? The whole book is ordered according to the six days of creation amongst among, there's so many layers, right? You know, that's
0: like, actually helpful. Cause I was kind of, my understanding was was in a sense that the first nine books were sort of his, his journey to God. And then their last book, it kind of includes the his journey to God in a sense.
1: Yeah. That's but true. actually
0: in, a, in in reality, I mean, at one level he is a microcosm because it is tracking those. He six uses days that of word, creation. doesn't
1: he? I think, doesn't he use microcosm? I can't remember. Maybe. Yeah no you're absolutely word. right yeah There's, like that's the thing you know it's like this book has so many layers to it like um, he's, he's
0: a smarty pants is what you're trying to say he's very very smart it's possible yeah. that this book will stand the test of time and be read for 1600 yep. years right. i mean it's
1: only been about that long so far so we've got a few more years to figure we've out We've got few we're, we're good, a few more years it's possible
0: you never know yeah 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 uh you wanted to read something here at the beginning yeah
1: yeah, so in book two, uh, I guess section seven is what I uh, wanted to read. So I'm again, I'm still in the Pine Coffin edition. Although yep. my buddy Caleb uh, over the weekend gave me the new uh, edition of the Loeb Classics, which I'm pretty stoked about. Um, so that's been actually kind of fun. Uh, the diglot, so kind of working through slowly, working through the Latin because right. my Latin kind of sucks. But um, anyway, so we're on uh,
0: Chadwick, that's page thirty-two, and for Pine's Coffin, it's page what? Fifty-one. Okay. So if someone else, depending on what they're using, that might be
1: helpful too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one that starts with a quote from Psalm 115, 12. So I'll, I'll, I'll start right there. And it's two paragraphs. <clears throat> so uh, what return shall I make to the Lord uh, for my ability to recall these things with no fear in my soul? I will love you, Lord, and thank you and praise your name because you have forgiven me such great sins and such wicked deeds. I acknowledge that it was by your grace and mercy that you melted away my sins like ice. I acknowledge, too, that by your grace I was preserved from whatever sins I did not commit, for there was no knowing what I might have done since I loved evil, even if it served no purpose. I avow that you have forgiven me all, both the sins which I committed of my own accord and those which by your guidance I was spared from committing. What man who reflects upon his own weakness can dare to claim that his own efforts have made him chaste and free from sin? as though this entitled him to love you the less on the ground that he had less need of the mercy by which you forgive the sins of the penitent. There are some who have been called by you and because they have listened to your voice, they have avoided the sins which I here record and confess for them to read. But let them not deride me for having been cured by the same doctor who preserved them from sickness, or at least from such grave sickness as mine. Let them love you just as much and even more than I do. For they can see that the same healing hand, which rid me of the great fever of my sins, protects them from falling sick of the same disease. So there's a whole pile of things that are going on in here, right? Um, He's kind of like setting in relief a little bit, like what God has done for him. So here you got all these stories of, you know, stealing the pears, his lust, and that, that sort of stuff, things that are just making him absolutely sick. And he's talking about how God's cared for him, even in the midst of all that. Um, the idea here is that that's to cause us to praise God, to love him, to thank him, uh, because of the healing that he has given to us. And then he's also in this section telling us part of his purpose for writing the book is that, you know, here's my story. Here's what God's done for me, but learn from me and, um, don't fall into the same grievous sorts of sins that I do, uh, that I did. And, uh, and then we can talk about what those types of sins are uh, throughout the rest of book two here. But So it's, it's helpful because it's, it's positively framed. Uh, it's not just this awful negative critique of himself all the time. He's saying something more positive, what God has done. He's giving us the reason for what he's written the book for.
0: Yeah, and I mean this whole section is, is fascinating. I, I, I do like that he gives confession because you have forgiven me. And so, but uh, maybe that's just one. I don't know if we actually talked about this yet. But confessions, I think we think of that like these are my confessions, <laughs> like we're confessing yeah, yeah, yeah. our sins or whatever. No, no. yeah, and that's has partly a true meaning. in Augustine. He confesses his sins, sure, but sure. Also, confessing praise, yep, and confessing what's true. It's like you know when you confess a creed or something like that.
1: Yep, no, so definitely part of it.
0: He, it's it's a bigger picture than we might think about just because of the English word today, um. Actually, I would even say the paragraph before you read. So that would be the end of, you know, section six It's really fascinating to me. And it begins, I guess, with an allusion to Psalm 72. So I'll read. Let me read that paragraph because I think that might actually help us to like set the conversation. Sure. He says, so the soul fornicates when it is turned away from you and seeks outside you the pure and clear intentions, which are not to be found except by returning to you. Now returns the word for repentance, right? In their perverted way, all humanity imitates you. So everybody imitates God. I mean, you're creating His image, but in a perverted way. Yet they put themselves at a distance from you and exalt themselves against you. But even by thus imitating you, they acknowledge that you are the creator of all nature, and so concede that there is no place where you can entire where one can entirely escape you. Yeah. Which probably is alluding to one of the uh, one of the Psalms as well.
1: Yeah, probably what one Psalm one thirty nine or something. Yeah, I can't
0: remember the the it's it's later on, but I can't remember the number offhand. Therefore, in that act of theft, what was the object of my love, and in what way did I viciously and perversely imitate my Lord? So again, imitate's been mentioned three times. Hmm. Viciously is is the, from vice, right? Vice, yeah. Uh, was my pleasure to break your law, but by deceit, since I had not the power to do what that by force was. I acting like a prisoner with restricted liberty who does not who does without punishment what is not permitted, thereby making assertion of possession and dim resemblance to omnipotence? Here is a runaway slave fleeing his master and pursuing the shadow. What rottenness, what monstrous life, and what an abyss of death. Was it possible to take pleasure in what was elicited for no other reason than that it was not allowed? It's a really key question at the end, but this whole section kind of sets up why he's so thankful for forgiveness, because what he's saying is, look, because we're created in God's image, we imitate God, but because we're sinners, we do it in a perverse or vicious way. And uh, so even people who deny God are they, they still have to imitate God because they're created in his image. It's like they can't, even if they deny it, it's true. What that means is you, you, you pursue everything like God might for a good end, but you ruin that good end. And so mm-hmm. he finds at the very end, what makes it so sinful for him to st- have stolen a pair, and that's the context to this whole a lot of this chapter is about him stealing a pair with some or some pairs. He thinks it's so mon- monstrous because he actually took pleasure in the evil itself. And so a lot of us, whenever we do something, like we might pursue a good end, but we do a lot of evil on the way. So I might want to be a good parent, but I might unrighteously discipline my child because I get too angry with them, right? Like, so it's good that I wanted to, but I'm full of sin. And so I it's vicious. Or I might like, um, uh, you know, you can mention anything. Like he'll he'll get to talking about Adam and Eve later in this book and how Adam listened to his wife because he loved her, which is good, but he actually misordered his love because loving God is greater. And so in so he wanted to do a good thing to love his wife and accepted the fruit from her, but it was actually sinful. It was vicious. Yeah. And so I actually think here what he's going to talk about, what makes the sin so evil of he and his friends stealing some pears is in part because they didn't really do it for any good reason. They did it because they love the pleasure of doing evil, which is like the worst thing possible. That's like what like the worst type of sin possible could be. There's no good in it. It's pure evil. Now, uh, there's a caveat because at the end, he says it was probably because I wanted to um, for friendship's sake. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to say it's impossible not to do you like. Evil is not a subsisting thing we'll learn later in this book. So it's impossible to do evil by itself. It's always a, a misalignment, a, a misfire or a privation of the good. It's like you, you're trying to do something good, but you do something terrible. So you want to give someone a deal. So you um, you sell them a car and you want to give them a good deal. And so that you you take 10,000 bucks from them, but you list as 5,000 to cheat the government right yeah. of, their, of their taxes. Well, You're trying to do a good thing to a guy, to the person who bought your car, but really it's also evil at the same time. So I I think that's what sin, I mean, he's going to discover that's what sin is, especially after he flirts with Manichaeism, which we'll get into later. So I think that's key.
1: No, I mean, everything you're saying there, it's like, it's, it's, that's replete right through book two, you know, like think about like the image all the various imageries that he's gonna to use to, to make exactly that point. So you have like, he gets into a relationship that's grounded in lust, which is a perversion of love, right? So you, and even, and note, even his parents are sort of like in, complicit in this because Monica doesn't want him to marry at this point because of ambition. So, you know, she's part of it. His, the dad with that whole Roman bath scene is really weird too um so you've got him perverting love with lust so the telos of love is is being perverted that's you know perversion actually means knocking something off of that telos So that yeah, telos. clarify
0: perversion because i think most of us think of it today
1: as like an insult but it's yeah it's you more think, of a oh, pervert right that yeah. word comes from somewhere that had more of a technical meaning and that was the idea that like everything is working towards that telos that end point it's kind of like aristotle's final cause right And a perversion is something that actually knocks it off that course. You're knocked off course. Yeah. So this gets into his whole issue of like disordered loves because you should have, you should be, and he even talks about this in here, right? You're oriented towards the good, which is God. And the more you're oriented towards him, this is where he's going to get into the whole like multiplicity versus unity kind of stuff. Um, but the more you're rightly ordered t- towards him, then the more, you know, you're going to have those desires actually manifest themselves with good things. Right. So the love thing. Nope. Uh, then he's got the pears, Right. Which is a pretty interesting illustration. Both of these, the marriage imagery, love, and then the pear imagery both have garden implications. Right. Like there's marriage in the garden, Adam and Eve. Now you get this like he's under a tree, like kind of thing, you know, eating a forbidden fruit. And here, the idea is like, he should be eating the fruit for its benefits, for its in, its pleasure and enjoyment and things like that. Instead, these guys just take the fruit. He's like, I already had it. I, I had fruit at home. I had pears at home. I didn't need these. And they just take them. They, they throw them away and run off and laugh. And mm-hmm. that's, not the, that's not the intended end uh, for what they were supposed to do with that tree. It wasn't its purpose. Uh, so that was perverted. Ambition is the other big one. And so ambitions here, he's got all these ambitions. Uh, but they're not for anything other than I mean I can't remember where he says it but he talks about his parents' ambitions for him that were totally well, his screwed. dad was
0: basically for rhetoric alone and yeah. he didn't care about his character Augustine complains
1: yeah it's it's right here under number three at the end of number three both my parents were unduly eager for me to learn my father because he gave me next to no thought. You say gave next to no thought to you and only shallow thought to me and my mother because she thought that the usual course of study would certainly not hinder me but would even help me in my approach to you so she thinks that study is going to get her to get him to god <laughs> uh, a good great son yeah to the best of my memory interesting there's language of memory again he's actually talking about you know uh, do i remember this right this is how i construe the characters of my parents <laughs> Uh, furthermore, I was given a free reign to amuse myself beyond the strict limits of disciplines so that I lost myself in many kinds of evil ways. So here, discipline that gives you the order that's going to direct you towards the good, even as parents aren't doing it, right? And so you just, and then he says, what malice proceeded from my pampered heart? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you, so you're just seeing everything you're saying there. It's just in all these various tangible images that are mm. so like common to humanity. Like these aren't like, it's not weird. Like, our parents do this stuff to us all the time. They indulge us when they shouldn't. He's very ordinary.
0: Like, it's very, he's using some profound ideas with very ordinary illustrations. Like, you can tell he's a preacher, basically. I think at this point, he was at- Or he's a rhetorician. Yeah, rhetorician. Yeah, Yeah,
1: yeah, he's at this point, this is six years after his conversion, I think. So, yeah, he's in- Yeah, he's going to be in,
0: in, okay. Yeah, and uh, maybe just stepping back to some, to kind of summarize some things you said, like, the book open uh, book one of confessions opens, you have made us for yourself and we can't find a rest until we find a rest in you. So there's a sense in which, as you said, our telos or our purpose is to return to God. And so our end is like the beginning. We come from God. And because we've come from God that already gives us our destiny or telos or purpose. Yep. And that's basically to be fulfilled by God. Yep. And so we're all turning back to him and you know, you could call God the good. It's, it, And by that, all you mean is it's the best decision possible is to follow whatever God is. Highest, most
1: perfect being.
0: Yeah. It's just kind of more technical language from his day to say it's like the best choice ever. I mean, following God's the greatest thing you can do. Yeah, And so, yeah, everyone does that. And we're all, even if we don't know it, we're, we're meant to do that. So you, you live, but because you're ignorant and because you're sinful, you don't always know how to do that. And so you either vitiate, which is to private, like is to. Is to not fully do what is good, or you pervert, which is to go off course. So, yeah. I mean, the old kind of cheesy illustration is you have like a bow and arrow, and you're trying to shoot the arrow at a target, and you miss the
1: mark. That's not so cheesy. That's-, that's 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 actually is it is that's in Aquinas's fifth way. I think is he is, oh, he is the it? one that uses it. Yeah, because he's pulling off of Aristotle's. Okay. Uh, uh, final well, it's apology. it's
0: part of the etymology of the word for sin as well. But yeah. but the I guess the point is like that's kind of a perversion if the wind hits and moves it away. And, pri- and privation would be like, you just kind of like drop the arrow and <laughs> let the string go. That's what, yeah, yeah. And so th- these are ways to describe sin. And they're not anti-Bible, but they're just trying to show you what the Bible is actually describing. Just yeah. like the word Trinity is to say, like, when you read the Bible, you see that the Father, Son, and Spirit share the definition of God. Maybe a good term to use uh, to describe that reality is Trinity. And so yeah. for this too, it's not saying anything anti-Bible, but rather it's just using words to describe the Bible. Yeah, I think it's quite helpful. I mean, for us
1: now, the the technical, sorry, just to jump into this for what you said a second ago, like the idea of like everything has its source in God, it's kind of comes out and then the telos is that's going to be the return. That's like the the technical language for that is the Exodus at at Reditus, um, which is actually how Aquinas organizes the Summa, I think he's drawing I mean, Augustine's doing exactly this, and I think Augustine's, all Christian theology, maybe all,
0: until recent times.
1: But it's also not a whole lot unlike Plotinus's understanding of like the emanation from the One uh, that will all eventually return back to it, right? So yeah. you can see that all in there, which I think you also see in the Psalms, and uh, you know, uh, it's like Aquinas is pulling from Augustine as well as Pseudo-Dionysius. So I mean, it's just well, like the Bible all, begins in a garden and ends in a garden. It's and, it's the story hence, of the Bible. But, and that's, again, back to, like, the garden with the pears right. and then garden in Milan. The conversion is also, tree. yeah, well, that's your goodness. And,
0: and I would just say, like, you could look at this and say, well, Plotinus has this idea of procession returning to the one. Yeah. So Augustine maybe just adopts that and it's kind of pagan. It's not that simple. The, the alternative or ad alternative, not the alternative, but ah, just to say, actually, what Plotinus is doing is he's human. And so he has these instincts that are right, but he's ignorant and sinful. So he knows just given the way the the world is, we must've come from something that is like God and we must need to return to it. He doesn't know who God is. He doesn't know Yahweh. He doesn't know Jesus Christ. Well, I guess he knows the names, but he doesn't know that he doesn't believe in them as far as I know, but because he's human and because God made us for, for himself, He's able to create these categories. And I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, Romans 1 makes this whole point that from what God has made, anyone can infer back that God exists and his invisible power and divine attributes. You just don't know who that God is unless a preacher, Romans 10, preaches yeah. the, the saving gospel. So apart from that, there's no way to know God or to be saved through without, the, without, without hearing the
1: word preached in some form. It's funny because like, I mean, we dealt with this when we were looking at the beginning of the Institutes with Calvin like a year and a half ago. And I've been looking at it again with my students in historical theology uh, here at CCU. And uh, it's like, as I was reading all this stuff in, in Augustine and then I'm rereading the opening chapters of the Institutes, I'm like, oh, he's saying exactly the same thing. And like, you know, the idea of like... The 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 created things are beautiful, and that beauty is a mirror that shows us God, and that there's like this theater of his glory. reality. Yeah, the theater of God's glory that's like mediated through these things that are beautiful, such that we can know Him. And he, he Calvin's making constant appeal to uh, Hebrews eleven three on that. Um, but here you're seeing it in Calvin, or sorry, in Augustine. I mean, even like a number a number five here, where he's ta- he talks about ambition. Uh, In that opening paragraph kind of halfway through, then he says the life we live on Earth has its own attractions as well, because it has a certain beauty of its own harmony with all the rest of this world's beauty. And that's that's how the ancients define beauty It was that which was harmonized or harmonious, which when he starts to talk about the unity of this, you know, we're either in multiplicity or we're in unity multiplicity or division is where the where the chaos and disorder can come within material things but we want to go back to that which is fundamentally unified the simplicity of god divine simplicity uh, where there is true beauty where there is the true harmony that's why god is the good and so then he says friendship among men too is a delightful bond uniting many souls in one because that's what friendship does and that's very aristotelian and platonic and all that stuff all these things and their light can be occasions of sin because good though they are, they are of the lowest order of the good. And if we are too much tempted by them, we abandon those higher and better things, your truth, your law, and you yourself, O Lord our God. For these earthly things too can give joy, though not such joy as my God who made them all can give. Because, and here's to quote from Psalm 63, Honest men will rejoice in the Lord, upright hearts will not boast in vain.
0: Yeah. Mm. And I think one thing I'd just say too, just to add to what you said about beauty um, is that so it is this unity is this, this and so on and orderliness. But I think most of us when we hear the word beauty today, we're so locked into the idea of like, you know, like an Instagram model or just like some physical thing like that. And while that might be included in the sense of just like this general concept, beauty is like uh, David says in Psalm 27, that he longs to gaze at the beauty of the Lord in his temple and beauty is ultimately something that attracts you
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's good. So in God's ordering, beauty is good. So God is beautiful, not just because he's rightly ordered in all these ways or has ordered uh, creation, but because beauty or goodness is itself attractive. It's always better than it's alternative. I mean, that's why I think in this chapter, if I remember, Augustine argues basically that or implies uh, good is always It's always stronger than evil, (laughs) because evil
1: is merely a privation. So beauty is this attraction towards God, but it's not just attraction, right? It's actually, it's like attraction to like participation. And you want to join. You want to join into that unity, right? It's it's good. That's it's not just merit, that's marriage, right? It's like, here you are, you're two distinct beings. You're, you're a multiplicity. And yet you unite together in, in a, in an actual covenantal, but also a physical bond through sex. It's like that, like sort to get kind of creepy on you, but it's like, it's like when you're kissing that other, you know, your, your spouse's face. It's like, it's cause you're like, there's like this, like trying to like, you're, it's like when you see a baby, you know, you're like, Oh, it's so cute. I just want to eat it. <laughs> it's like that same, like that weird kind of like, it's like you want to participate in the beauty of it all, and that's like the, the, that unity, but the great thing is, is that what Plotinus loses that Augustine and De Trinitate is going to like, I think, really expand upon is that Plotinus only has unity. That's why you've got to get rid of the physical world. Augustine's going to affirm no these are these are goods. they just have to be put in the right order. Yes, we can move from the spatio-temporal up to the eternal. but the spatiotemporal is still an okay, it's still a good thing because God created it is good. Plotinus has only got like the unity. but thank you, doctrine of the Trinity, right that you can actually have that unity that actually has within it, speaking carefully of course, for the three persons that are the hypotheses that subsist in the one simple substance there's still a, a place for a kind of multiplicity, right? That's not ultimately bad.
0: All right, Cornelius Van Til. <laughs> yeah, 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 or Rush love, Judy, the one of the many. <laughs> Um So let me read to you from the very first paragraph, uh, two sentences, yeah. the bottom of the first paragraph. Augustine says, you gathered me together from the state of disintegration in which mm-hmm. I had been fruitlessly divided. I turn from unity in you to be lost in multiplicity. Now, that's saying what you're saying. But I think that maybe another way to put it, maybe to, to illustrate is like, I, all of us know that the older you get, the more choices you have in life. And there's a thousand ways you can accomplish something, a thousand things you're accountable to. Usually you can't do them all. And if you think you can, you get overwhelmed because life is by definition overwhelming because there's so much choice whether that's a thousand emails a day or text like everything you see is choice. And a lot of people have found that this creates stress and anxiety. So the minimalist movement, for example, would be an expression of trying to counter that. So I think actually Augustine is saying something true theologically that is in our own experience so obvious. And that's true freedom isn't like having the choice to do anything whatsoever. That's just expressive individualism. That's actually uh, the abolition of yourself. But true freedom is knowing exactly what to do and having a simple, unified set of choice because you know the right thing to do. It's relaxing. It gives you rest. Yeah. You know exactly what to do. It's returning to God and reordering your entire life, your, your all your affections, all of your desires, your will, your intellect, and placing it on the most ultimate end, which is God. And then you reorder everything around that. And you can love what Augustine calls the lower things, like, the things around you, even a pair, for example, because it's ordered rightly, it's not taking a priority. So the simple example is, again, Adam could have loved his wife, Eve, and God at the same time by not taking the fruit from her and saying, hey, you shouldn't do that. But he loved her more than God in that choice, and disordered his love, and that's sin. And that's Yeah, wrong.
1: yeah. Even, even in the translation that you have with Chadwick there, he actually talks about, again, fruitfulness of something, right? Which again, is that that light it's a it's purpose but it's also the fruit was
0: beautiful yeah it was not that which my miserable soul coveted
1: yeah and he and he does he talks about that body and soul relationship here and it's like the soul is what is like his problem and because the philosophers right like if you read like the meditations of marcus aurelius who's a stoic and it's like you know you can through like your own self-control do these right things you you can live uh you know well for your family for your society as he is an emperor and all that kind of stuff and you just do that by chastening your own body and augustine's like no you can't that's the whole point like no Mm -hmm. so as much as he's going to pull from ancient philosophy and ben it's like here he's standing straight in the face of it all it's like no because this is actually a problem that's with inside me and it's like is the external things that i'm doing are just a manifestation of this evil this is why he's saying when that that section that i read he's like even the things like you kept me from doing i would have done anyway you kept me from doing it the problem's actually here it's the evil that is actually within me and that's why he's also using all that garden language here because this is the sin that that he's going to explain later in the pelagian controversy this controversy this is the sin nature that i've actually inherited and i'm not living the good life right merely by the externals and the self-discipline and all that kind of stuff because that's only going to get me as far as the god of the philosophers but i actually want the god who is the true god the god of the bible the god of our actual reality
0: do you think in, in your pine coffin edition you could read 10 uh 27 it's my your pine coffin does it better i think it's my favorite
1: okay hold on it's just that
0: just... that first paragraph there i think that is like a cool summary of what we've been talking about in certain or at least there's a book, connection book 10 27 book 10, yeah section 27 that just
1: that first paragraph oh, okay sure yeah oh yeah here we go <laughs> uh i have learned To love you late beauty at once so ancient and so new i have learned to love you late you were within me and i was in the world outside myself i searched for you outside myself and disfigured as i was i fell upon the lovely things of your creation you were with me but i was not with you the beautiful things of this world kept me far from you and yet if they had not been in you they would have had no being at all. You called me. You cried aloud to me. You broke my barrier of deafness. You shone upon me. Your radiance enveloped me. You put my blindness to flight. You shed your fragrance about me. I drew breath and now I gasp for your sweet odor. I tasted you and now I hunger and thirst for you. You touched me and I'm inflamed with love for your peace. I quote that in all my, in my philosophy classes every every year. That's such an awesome quote
0: actually I like the way he says it in actually Chadwick, the, the beginning part better. Late have I loved you, beauty so old and new. Oh, Late yeah, have I loved yeah. you.
1: That's but uh, that's so Shakespearean, you know. Yeah.
0: You see so much, and by the way, that these created things are good because they participate in God as effects from cause. Um mm-hmm. in that
1: Right. <laughs> There's Aristotle again. It's like yeah. every effect has the vestiges of the cause within it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you see, that's why, man, I, we just before recorded your 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 boy was just there on your lap. And I'm like, good grief, those gram <laughs> genetics are strong. <laughs> you're the cause. You're a sec, you know, a secondary cause, but nevertheless, you're the cause. He's the effect. And look at him. He looks yeah. just like you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it.
1: Um can I just read to like just back to the unity thing. Yeah. Um, because you know he is really drawing from Plotinus here on Unity. And I want to actually read uh, the quote, uh, uh, or at least a reference from the uh, Plotinus's Aeneids, uh, where he talks about unity here. Um, and uh, so I'm just going to quote it. Um, so the soul, this is Plotinus, even if it is a unity and lacks distinct parts, is manifold. It contains many capacities within itself, reasoning, yearning, apprehension. All these co a unity as if in chain together, uh, chain together. So the soul supplies unity and is itself a unity. Um, so here he's talking about like, fundamental to who we are is the soul, and the soul itself is a unity, uh, which is then, it's it's a good. Now, Plotinus is not gonna always be helpful when it comes to what the nature of the soul is, theologically speaking, in terms of the Bible. Um, But nevertheless, you can see that like, okay, yeah, he's very much in favor of like this notion of unity, uh, that you can have even disparate things come together in a unity to form something that that has a purpose and a good. There's
0: a lot there, but I, I think at the end of the day, Um, for Augustine this chapter is we should love God we're created to love God everyone imitates him badly or goodly but my sin was so bad with this pair example because much of what I did was simply to enjoy the pleasure of sin albeit at the end of the day I did it for the sake of friendship. That was the good I pursued and perverted it and corrupted yeah. it.
1: And, and friendship is gonna be like this pervasive theme now. Right? Because right? he's mm-hmm. gonna there's those the thrashers that are his friends that are, you know, the I thrashers. love friends. That's what that's one of the translations for the Oh, game. interesting. I think it in one eighties, like, 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 like yeah, I always say that in my class too. Like he sounds like one of those like 80s gangs from New York City or something, thrashers. The thrashers. Um, so he's with those guys, he calls them ruffians. Um, they're, they're his friends. But then he's gonna get to like, he's gonna go from that kind of just like uninformed view of friendship, uh, getting in, you know, falling in with bad company. He's gonna move then to a platonic idea of friendship later when he's talking about the friend that dies, right? And that's yeah. the one where he's like, you know, he I mean, the language there, he's using all this platonic language of friendship and it's so beautiful. And you're like, wow, this is what friendship could be. And then he's like, and none of it was in Jesus. So it's not mm. actually, it's not actually real friendship. And you're like, whoa, like he totally dupes you with like the beauty of the rhetoric of what it, what this friendship looks like. And then it's like, oh, no, true friendship actually has to be in Christ. And then who becomes the models? It's going to be Olympias, mm. uh, his friend who's with him right the way through. And, and uh, I think
0: the, the grieving between that friend and then Monica uh, after his baptism is like, yeah. I think, a really huge key because he doesn't grieve like the pagans do when she dies, you're right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. he probably naturally agrees, but it's, it's much different. Yeah. So.
1: And like, even like the concubine that he's with, she's a companion, but she doesn't pr- prove to be the right kind of friendship. Like true friendship is in God. And that's where like, he's with a group of friends in the Garden of Milan, where he gets saved. You know what I mean? And like, then immediately he goes off into a community in Kassik Kas- Uh Then he's off back home to Tagast. And that's where Olypius then stays to become a bishop. Then he's like back in hippo setting up a monastic community with all his friends, and it's just like bang, like friendship, true biblical friendship, then uh, really becomes a defining factor for him.
0: So I think next week he jumps into Hortensius, Cicero, and Carthage begins to hang flirt with, with Manichaeism. Yeah, so yeah. that'll be maybe that doesn't sound that fun, but it's his intro oh, into philosophy and the problem of evil. So, so why do bad fun. things happen to good people? And
1: yeah eating spirit fruit and all that kind of fun stuff (laughs) belching he uses the language of belching when he's talking about like basically like him like uncontrollably (laughs) ejaculating right and he calls it like you know the belching forth and that clouds his vision is what he's talking about in in book two and stuff like that you're like all that language
0: i'm I'm super glad that you brought that up at the end of our podcast because it's a great it's a great and edifying way to finish so so he
1: said it not me